you might look around and wonder, you know, what's going on? We don't have music today, and, and there's a lot of people missing. Well, I've come to understand that in inclement weather, we tend to have fewer in the sanctuary. But I will say that today we had a lot more than last week. And if you weren't here last week, you missed everything because I had a kayak sitting down here and guitars over here. I played the piano for you and played an electric guitar for you and an acoustic guitar. It was a great rock and roll show. You should have been here. You really missed it. It was a good time, but it's good to see everyone here this week. This week, what's happening is the weather dropped down way into the 20s, and I did not want to make people feel like they needed to be here in that type of weather uh, because of some you know, various reasons. So our service is going to be short today because we're going to be absent of music. But here's what I want you to think about with that. How much has changed in this service because of the absence of two people? A pianist and a song leader. How much we depend on others. The passage of scripture that John read from us from Ecclesiastes assures us certain truths in life. One Nobody can make it through this life on their own. We depend on one another. And two, no matter how strong one person is, we're always stronger as a unit. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time that you've given us to gather here today. And Father, just ask that you be with me. Give guidance and hope and inspiration in words that we speak. Help us to find truth and honesty in our message and in our lives. Father, I ask that you empty me, remove me from me any words that I so desire to speak. Fill me with your spirit that I may speak words that are pleasing to you. I always mess that up. Anybody notice that I just that I messed up, that I'm out of my routine, that I did something out of order here? Normally what I do is I, I give a story and I tell you why we're going to or what we're going to speak about. Then I read a scripture and then I say that little prayer. See, what I'm, the point that I'm making here today is this, is not just that one person can't do it on, on their own, but, but that we need one another in order to accomplish the things that life has for us to accomplish and that people make mistakes. And we have to move beyond those mistakes as part of the forgiving process. See, today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, starting at verse 12, ending at verse 20. And the Word of God reads as this. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all and have all been made to drink into the one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is that therefore not the body? And if the ear should say that because I am not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body, for the whole body were an eye. Where would be the hearing? 
if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each of them, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now let me do it the way I suppose to. Father, I ask today that you be with me. Give me guidance, hope, and inspiration. Empty me and fill me with your spirit that the words I speak will be pleasing to you and beneficial for all of us gathered here today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, going through the police academy, we learn all kinds of lessons. One of the lessons that we learn is one that I already pointed out is that you, you don't do it on your own. No matter how strong you are, no matter how intelligent you are, or how intelligent you think you are, you cannot do that job or any other thing else in life by yourself. We depend on one another. The way our unit was set up was it was one officer per car. You know, a, a lot of agents will have two officers in one patrol car answering every call. But our agency was set up to where there was only one officer per car. And the reason they do that is because it doesn't take two people to work the majority of the calls. If I'm working a fender bender at the Mall of Georgia, we don't need to tie up manpower by putting two officers there to do something that only one person can do. But many of the calls that we received also required the presence of two officers, domestic disputes. We had one guy that, that I worked with. I loved working with him, and he became a very great officer. But when he came straight out of the academy, he was so gung-ho that he couldn't contain himself. And there were rules and policy that were set in place. And one of those rules were that if you were responding to a domestic dispute, you do not go to that call by yourself especially if they're reporting that there's abuse or, or violence that has taken place or is currently taking place because it puts the officer at risk. Because here's the thing. People are going to do what people are going to do, and there's no sense in the officer getting killed because of what people are going to do. But this one officer couldn't get it through his head, and every time a domestic dispute would, would call out and he would get dispatched to it, we would even be typing him on our computer saying, hey, don't go there till we get there with you, but he wouldn't listen. He would just go ahead and do what he wanted to do and go to that call, and we would sometimes be 5 to 10 to even 15 minutes away from his location, and you would hear him go on the radio. He would say, 321 radio, I'm 10-7, which means, hey, I'm at the scene. And then it wouldn't be two to three minutes later where he would get back on the radio again, screaming and hollering, calling for help because he was now engaged in a fight or the people were engaged in a fight and he couldn't control. But guess what? We were still five to ten minutes out. He was going to have to handle it on his own. He had to learn the hard way that he is one member of an entire body of police officers. And if he would had only listened when he went through the academy, he would have had a lot more success early on in career. But it took a lot of bumps and bruises for him to realize what he needed to do. He has to depend on other people. He has to count on them, and he has to believe in them. And that's the hard thing for people to do, is to put their faith in someone else, especially if you're accustomed to doing things by yourself all the time. Paul points out to us that, that we are one body, but we're not individuals. 
the body that he's referring to is the body of Christ, the church. And no one person, not a pastor, not a council chair, not a lay leader, or anyone can handle it all on their own. And even outside the church, in our own personal lives, in, in our business structures, when we have supervisors set up, they're, they're set up for a specific reason, and that's to, to keep the line of production flowing so that the product is created and sent out to the, the consumer because that's how and why they exist, to make that product, to provide it to the public, and generate money to keep that machine running. And those supervisors are put in place to, to ensure that that's what happens. But even that one supervisor that you think is running the entire show really isn't. That one supervisor is or should be communicating with the people above him and the people that he serves. And that's how it is with the body of Christ. Each and every person is given a gift or many gifts for the purpose of the edification of the church. Not the church just inside these four walls, but yes, that applies. But, but for the church universal, the church at large. And we may not always know what that gift is or how it impacts other people around us. That gift can be as simple as a kind word to somebody that, that's feeling down that, that may not even be part of your congregation or part of your, your family at home or part of your, your work environment. It may be someone standing in line at a grocery store that's just not feeling too hot about themselves at the moment. But you can read their body language and know that something is not right. And in that moment, offer a word of hope and inspiration. And in doing so, you may very well change that person's whole outlook on life for that day. You see, it's important for you to be there at that appointed time in your life. It was no accident. God uses his people to inspire and bring hope to those who are lacking. But it's hard sometimes to be part of a group because sometimes you don't always quite fit into that group that you're in. Now, I grew up in a small country church, much smaller than what we have here. I know y'all call yourself a small country church. I call you a big church. And I spent a lot of time there, and I know how important family ties are to those churches. But I also spent a lot of time in, in much larger churches. And the complaint that I always get from the people in, in the small country church is that we don't like the big churches because they're, they're not warm and they're not welcoming. And you don't have the same, same, same family environment or same family feeling 
there that you do at the small church. But I'm going to argue that, that, that that's not a good statement to make because I've been there and I've seen it. And some of those things that we see in the larger churches can be incorporated into the smaller churches and should be. And what I'm getting at is this. No matter what church I go to, I always hear the same thing over and over and over again. And it's not because people are harsh. It's just because of the nature of people. We are all different. Even though we are members of one body, we are all different. And here is the reality of that difference. We are not all going to fit into the same group. And that's what I learned at the larger churches was this, that, that there is the same family security at those churches but what happens is this there is a group of people over here and there is a group of people over here that get along and a group of people over here that that do something completely different than all these other groups but it's within those little groups that they find comfort they find people who who share the same insight who who have the same type of lifestyles or have the same missions in life or better yet to have the same purpose in serving at the church that they're at. Because you see, it's impossible for, for that even one small group to, to serve the entire church. But so, so what happens is these little small groups get together and we call them cliques. And I want to get away from that word because they're not cliques. They're, they're families that God put together in a community to, to put his purpose to work so that, so that the, the mission of the church continues forward and so that we as a congregation experience God in every fashion of our life. And what is going on is, is group one is over here learning how to paint the church and making decisions on, on what to do as far as Christmas decorations. Group two is over here and they're trying to figure out how to run children's ministries and group three is over here trying to to figure out what is the best way to handle the worship service but if you take one of those groups out of the equation just one of those groups the whole thing is lacking and that's what we see today with the with the absence of music that something is lacking by the absence of two people so what i want to say to you on that is this think about how important your presence is the church it is so easy to wake up and say you know today i'm not going to make it today i'm not going to be there i'm not going to be missed i'm not contributing but you do even if it's just to, to come in and, and and somebody called themselves this earlier this week when i was talking to them i'm a seat warmer well that seat warmer is who i look at when i'm preaching to see the smile on that face you serve a purpose well, all I did while I was here was talk to so-and-so, but you know what made them laugh? Well, then you served a purpose while you were here. You kept that church supported. And if we remove that one person, then we remove that one gift. That's how important you are as an individual to your church. And the other thing that I want to point out is this. Wouldn't it be a wonderful life if everyone just got along? If every person in every group and in every place had the same passion, the same desires, the same ideas, and just loved the ideas that everyone else had. 
And it would be a wonderful life. But it's not a realistic life. But what is realistic is this, and that's the teachings of Jesus Christ when he says to the Pharisees, when asked, what is the greatest command that you can give? And he says the greatest command is this, to love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think the part that in my life that, that I tend to overlook in that statement is in the question, what is the greatest command? Because, see, for me, I think that I do things naturally. I think I love everyone naturally and that, that I treat everyone naturally the way that I should. But, but the reality is, is that I don't, and no one does. See, it's a command because we're being told to do something that goes against our natural will. It is natural for us to just say what's ever on our mind without realizing the consequences of it. It's natural for me to just act on every desire that I want to fulfill in my life and not consider the consequences of it outside in the real world. But we're told that this is what we should do. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. See, when we hear the word love, and, and I don't know about you, everybody interprets words differently by their life experiences and, and the time frame that they grew up in. I didn't grow up in the time of the hippies, but I had a lot of hippies around me growing up. So anytime I hear the word love, my first thought is the flower children walking around saying peace and everything's happy. Let's all just get along and, and be happy, happy, happy. But, but that's not a real and true definition of love. When we're told to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, what we're being told to do is this, treat him and his word with the respect that he deserves. Our actions, the way that we, we choose to, to respond to God and to life is how we tell God that we love him. When I'm angry because life didn't go my way, my response to God in showing him how much I love him is sometimes really this. I want to tell you how everything is wrong and how it's somebody's fault and I had nothing to do with it. But that's not love. Love requires trust. And there are too many things in our lives that, that we have no control over. I have no control over John going out today and going up to the Mexican restaurant, buying a plate of tacos, and bringing them to my house to sit in front of me with him knowing that I'm going to eat every last one of them. I can't stop John from doing that. But I can control how I respond to it. With gratitude, I can say, John, thank you for considering me. And thank you for your gift. But I don't want your gift to go to waste. And John, I can only eat one of those tacos. Would you be so kind as to give one to your wife or someone else along the way? I have to stop and consider my response to what goes on around me. Because that's how I show love to God. And I show love to God by 
looking inwardly at myself. And that's what John Wesley taught us to do. We're Methodists. We're, our entire church is based on his teachings. And one of the things that he said was most important to any Christian is this, to sit in examination of oneself. And that's not hard or that's not easy to do. I wish I could say it's not hard to do. But when he tells us to do that, he's not telling us to, to sit down and, and pick ourselves apart and, and tell ourselves how bad we are. That's not what he's saying. What he's asking us to do is this, is to, to sit in reflection upon our lives, how we act, how we love God, and how we love one another, and compare that to the written Word of God. And to ask ourselves, in that time of reflection, not what is it that the world can do or what someone else around me can do to make it better, but to ask of myself, what can I do to make my life more pleasing to God so that I'm a better witness to those around me? See, when we're told to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, it's not condemnation coming down from God. Because the way that we treat an invisible God will be reflected in the way we treat others around us. And that's where that command to love God starts flowing into our personal life. Because now we have to look at how we treat one another. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have been to some churches where they treated one another like they were the greatest things in the world. But if a stranger was to walk into their door, they would treat them like a dirty dog. And I am so happy today to say that, that in my time that I've been here, the short time that I've been here, I have never once seen that happen. Not one single time. And that says a lot about your character and it says a lot about your relationship with God and how you communicate with God. And that is a building block on which you can stand But I think sometimes what happens is this. No matter what size church you're talking about, or no matter what environment you're in where, where people gather, there's always going to be this group, that group, and the other group. It's never going to change. That's not a bad thing. It just means that those people found someone that was common to them, and that's a good thing. But sometimes when, when we are in, in, in our group, we look to the other groups and we, realize, and we start wondering, well, why is that group not talking with me and why is this group over here 
not having to do anything with me. And it may be this. Because we're too focused on what those other groups are doing. In other words, we're looking over here at, at the blessings that this group of people have, and we're looking over here at the blessings that this group of people have, but, but we're not looking within our own group to see what blessings God has put before us. You see, if we as a people would, would concentrate on what God has put into our own households or, or our own workplaces or our own congregations and learn to, to appreciate what has been given, then, then what other people have and what other people are experiencing becomes less important to us. And as it becomes less important to us, our experience with God and those people become more important to us. And that's when life really starts to bloom for people, is when we start engaging those people that, that are in our group, becoming part of their lives and, and understanding what it is that, that makes them tick and how to make them happy. Because they're all part of that wonderful body of Christ. See, Christ wants us to have that abundant life. But so much of the abundance that, that God offers us through Christ is squandered on paying attention to others more so than ourselves. And here's the hard part that I want to move into real quick. We are strong people. Everyone gathered in this room is a strong person. And this is part of the military training. When we go for a run, we go for a run as a unit, a group of people. But the guys in front run a lot faster than the ones in the back. And if the ones who are in front, who are stronger, run to their full potential, then they're going to leave the slower runners behind and they're going to get lost. Sometimes, for the sake of those who are weaker, the strong have to slow their pace down. Part of leadership is looking out for the weaker, even at the cost of the strong. There's no way around it. Because if the strong take off chasing their dreams with nothing else in thought except accomplishing that mission, then they failed because they left the body behind them. People who are strong are called to lead not because 
we can just accomplish things. But because we're strong enough to do without. Here's what I mean. I tell you about my mistakes all the time. First church I had, PPR sat down with me and they said this. You're in such a rush and in such a hurry to accomplish something. We feel like we're holding you back. That was a wake-up call for me. Because I wanted them to be something that they weren't. So that I could say, look what I've done. But in doing so, I left the ones that God gave me charge of in dire need. We can do without accomplishing certain missions in our life sometimes or accomplish them at a slower rate. Because whether you're building a building, trying to buy a car, or climb the next rung on the ladder, doesn't matter because your real mission is the care of the people around you because they're part of the body of Christ. I won't lie to you. The cold weather was a large part of the reason why I asked musicians not to come in. It really was. But you know how sometimes when you make a decision based on one idea, then you start thinking the other benefits from that idea? The other benefits was this. Other churches around us are shutting down for several weeks because of COVID. They're not having services at all. But you have kept Alpha going. But you know what a benefit of the weather and musicians not being here today. We have had a lot of people with COVID over the past few months. Hopefully, knowing the lack of music, they would choose to stay home today so that the few gathered here could gather in comfort. And then there's a lesson that I pointed out earlier. The importance of knowing how much you contribute just by showing up somewhere. So never sell yourself short. You make a difference everywhere you go. And you're serving 
important role. Because you make up the body of Christ. And if you were the eye and the eye wasn't present, the body couldn't see. But because you are present, you transform the world for the cause of Christ. So remember this. You're important and you serve a mighty purpose. And no one ever expects you to do it alone. There's a family of believers who is always readily available to assist you in anything you need. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and we prepare to close the service. Help us to leave today knowing, Father God, that, that we are an important part of the puzzle that, of life that, that you've created for each and every one of us. But help us to, to stay focused and, and remember that, that we're not just here for our own need and our own good, but we're here to serve that greater vision that you have for your body, that we are not just a part of a, a community here in the area, but we are part of a heavenly community that gathers and worships and celebrates universally and heavenly to include those who have already gone home before us. Empower us to go forth into our communities, to be leaders bringing hope, to be leaders that, that care for those that are in need, and to be leaders who are strong enough to know that we slow down so others can be active. Father, these are the things that we lift up to you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you guys for coming out to the wonderful little service we had here. You made it great. Your presence, your smiles make my day. So just know that as you go out into the world, you're going out in power to lead and in power to make a difference. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.